0: Greetings this is podcast number 89 of Blast the right. I'm Jack Clark from the rationalradical.com www.therationalradical.com Today, we're going to discuss what it means that we now have the worst income inequality in this country since the Great Depression. We'll also listen to Senator John McCain do what right-wingers do so well. Ask us to believe him, not our lion eyes. Included here will be a clip from the Blast the Right live call-in show. In my closing comments, I'll tell you about the next live call-in show, We'll do it at an earlier hour, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific Time. It'll be hosted at a different website, www.blogtalkradio.com. Details to follow later in the podcast. Let's get right into it. My sources for this first segment are the New York Times, Bloomberg.com, PewResearch.org, and MSNBC.com. As a general rule of thumb... Everything right-wingers do is designed to accomplish one of two goals. Either A. Transfer wealth to the already rich from everyone else, or B. Distract everyone else from the fact that A. Is occurring. As far as A. Transfer wealth to the rich from everyone else, the right-wingers are succeeding probably beyond even their wildest expectations. Figures just released show that in 2005, income inequality continued to grow by leaps and bounds. The richest 1% of Americans took home 21.8% of all reported income, up from 198 in 2004. The really significant number is, this is more than double their share of the national income in 1980. The richest 1% of Americans doubled their share of the nation's earnings since 1980. Guess what happened in 1981? Right-wing icon Ronald Reagan took office. Not a coincidence. Not a coincidence. I'm sure the right-wingers are not quite satisfied, however, because the highest share for the top 1% was 23.9% in 1928, the year before the Great Depression. So come on right-wingers, you still have work to do to set the all-time record for greed. In fact... The top 10%, those who earn greater than $100,000 a year, are even closer to the all-time record. In 2005, the top 10% had 48.5% of the income, less than a point behind the 1928 all-time record. Let me stress here at the outset, I'm not saying that everyone should earn the same income. Of course not. And of course, there can be wealthy people. How do you know I'm not wealthy? What I am discussing here is distribution of income so unequally that those outside the wealthy classes wind up having less than they need to lead a decent life by American standards. In case you're wondering, the cutoff for the richest 1% is earning more than $348,000 a year. An hourly wage worker would have to make $174 an hour to make that $348,000 a year. What about the rest of the population? What about the other 90% of people who live in the United States? Their average incomes actually slightly declined in 2005. Don't let a right-winger tell you that the wages of the bottom 90% rebounded in 2006. Somewhat, but nowhere near enough to make up for the prior years. The rich get richer, and everyone else gets poorer, and outright poverty increases as well. Right-wing policies firmly in control and highly efficacious. Thank you very much. And as bad as these numbers are, they almost certainly understate the degree of income inequality in the nation. For one thing, more the income of the wealthy goes unreported than of the non-wealthy. According to the IRS, 99% of all wage income is accurately taxed. Working men and women can't wiggle out of paying their due. But, the IRS says, only about 70% of business and investment income is properly taxed. Business and investment income is the type which flows mostly to those in the upper income levels. The reason for this 70% statistic, of course, is that many wealthy individuals fail to report all their income. In other words, many of the wealthy are tax cheats, and their cheating means, among other things, that a big hunk of their income isn't even included in the income inequality stats. The income inequality stats would be even worse if so many of the wealthy didn't cheat big time on their taxes. Another reason income inequality is even worse than the official figures indicate is that there have been declines in fringe benefits and in government services used by the non-wealthy. Quote, Robert Greenstein, executive director of the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities, an advocacy group for the poor, said that the data understates the widening disparity between the top 1% and the rest of the country. He said that in addition to rising incomes and reduced taxes, the equation should take into account cuts in fringe benefits to workers, and in government services that middle class and poor Americans rely on more than the affluent. These include health care, child care, and education spending. Quote. Let's take a quick break. When we return, we'll debunk how the right wing tries to explain away this unjust situation. <laughs> Your one-minute voting report. Voting's anemic. We're still stuck at number 11. We're several dozens of votes behind last month at this time. If we were even even with last month's pace, we'd be at number 5 or number 6, not 11. So come on, guys. Do your patriotic duty and vote. As always, here's my offer you can't refuse, or so I hope. You get two hours a month of a podcast you like to listen to, and all I ask in return is ten seconds of your time once a month to vote for Blast the Right at Podcast Alley. You can vote from the one-click link on the podcast homepage. Two hours for ten seconds! You could even go vote right now if you want to. Deal? Cool. (laughs) As is usually the case, right-wingers have their own unique and inaccurate, if not outright dishonest, spin on the situation. Treasury Secretary Henry M. Paulson Jr. said that, quote, the rapid pace of technological change has been a major driver in the decades-long widening of the income gap in the United States, close quote. As the New York Times put it, quote, Translation we didn't cause it, and trying to do something about it would be silly. Quote. Let's take these right-wing propaganda points one at a time. It's been going on for decades. Yes, it has, and for most of the past decades, right-wingers have been in power. The acceleration of income inequality started soon after Reagan took office. That's the whole point. The decades-long widening of the income gap took place when right-wing policies became the law of the land. And as for the Clinton years, the inequality did increase then too, but at least there was a general sense that even those at the bottom were sharing in the prosperity. Not so now. And more importantly is what to do about this growing gap between the rich and everyone else, not least the poor, which is what the right addresses in its second talking point. It would be silly to try to do anything about it. Wrong. It was government policies in the late 1990s, like an increase in the federal minimum wage and a major expansion of the earned income tax credit that let more Americans share in the prosperity. You have to contrast this with Bush's right-wing economic policies. His tax cuts have given the lion's share of the benefits to the richest. Quote, the tax cuts have overwhelmingly benefited the richest. As a result, the tax code does less to narrow the income gap now than it did as recently as 2000. At the same time, important social spending has been cut. That exacerbates disparities because middle-class and poor Americans use government services more than affluent Americans. Quote. To be quite honest, as I've said many times, Clinton was in many ways not a progressive. He governed more like a moderate Republican, a Rockefeller Republican, and so the fact that income inequality increased during his term isn't surprising. But at least there were some countervailing policies implemented as well. By the way, if right-wingers tell you, the share of income taxes paid by the wealthy has gone up, so things are more progressive, no, no. The share of the wealthy has gone up because their incomes have grown so much more rapidly than everyone else's have that even with their reduced rate, they wind up paying a larger share of the taxes. What amazes me about all this is that the wealthiest are never satisfied. They're not satisfied with their already far disproportionate share of the nation's income and wealth. How much more do they want? Income that you save, not spend, accumulated over time, creates wealth. So if there's rampant income inequality, you would expect wealth inequality to be even worse. And you'd be correct. The top 10% own 70% of all assets in private hands. Do they want to increase that to 80% of the wealth? 90%? How about 100%? Maybe they can have it all. We can go back to feudal times. Everyone else can depend on the kindness and largesse of the lords and other nobles to survive. The level of income and wealth inequality that we have does not lead to a healthy society. Quote, Professor Emmanuel Saez, the University of California Berkeley economist who analyzed the IRS data with Professor Thomas Piketty of the Paris School of Economics said such growing disparities were significant in terms of social and political stability. Professor Sayez said, quote, If the economy is growing, but only a few are enjoying the benefits, it goes to our sense of fairness. It can have important political consequences. Close quote. In fact, we're already seeing those political consequences. Thank goodness. In a third world country where the economic pie is so much smaller and those at the bottom face starvation and death from preventable disease, such growing income inequality could lead to revolution. Or at least the election of those promising fundamental change. We've seen that with the elections throughout Latin America of leaders like Hugo Chavez of Venezuela and Evo Morales of Bolivia, who have promised fundamental change and are delivering it. But here in the United States, the economic pie is so large that those at the bottom and the increasingly squeezed middle class don't see the need for a revolution so much as they see the need for what we might call a new New Deal. Please note, right-wingers, that what I'm calling for here is not Marxist or communist or anything like that. Unless you think FDR was a commie. If you do, you're beyond redemption. Back to the new New Deal. A December 2006 Bloomberg poll found that nearly three-quarters of Americans believe the, quote, growing gap between rich and poor is a major issue, close quote. As you go up the income scale, fewer feel that way, but still a majority do. A whopping 84% of those making less than $40,000 a year feel the economic inequality is a serious issue. More than 60% of those with incomes above $100,000 a year still think so. Even 55% of Republicans feel the situation is serious. This creates the political base for a new New Deal. What would that entail? Three opening elements might be Increasing the minimum wage, having the federal government guarantee health care for all Americans, and increasing taxes on the wealthy. And all three of those steps would be supported by the American public. Tell your friendly local right-winger to put that in their pipe and smoke it. An overwhelming 83% of Americans support raising the federal minimum wage from $5.15 an hour to $7.15. Only 14% of the public disagrees that 14% must be composed of the super-greedy wealthy and the non-wealthy who've been bamboozled by right-wing propaganda. The Democratic-controlled House has passed such a minimum wage increase, but the slimmer margin of Democratic control in the Senate has resulted in the measure not yet being passed there. As to health insurance, 64% of the country thinks the federal government should guarantee health care insurance for all Americans. Despite a relentless barrage of right-wing propaganda over the past decade, this pro-guarantee majority has grown from 56% in 1996 to today's 64%. Nearly two out of three Americans. Why are so many adopting this progressive position? Because too many average citizens are hurting. Millions of Americans have gone without medical tests or treatments, either because insurance companies wouldn't cover them, or because they lacked insurance and couldn't afford them. Beyond the minimum wage and health care, finally, about 6 in 10 Americans believe the wealthy pay too little in taxes. So there's a solid majority to roll back some of George W. Bush's tax cuts for the wealthy. If you add up a hefty increase in the minimum wage, guaranteed health insurance for all Americans, and higher taxes on the wealthy, that would be a good start to reducing income and wealth inequality in this country and making things well. Just more fair and just. More fair and just? You know the right wing will fight that tooth and nail every step of the way. And we progressives will defeat them every step of the way. You mark my words. My girlfriend
1: doesn't call people names. She doesn't think that liberals are insane. Involved by her looks My girlfriend does not write Hateful books But she can cook So I guess my girlfriend Is no end.
0: let's talk about John McCain and his, as Frank Rich calls them, crackerjack cast of supporting buffoons. That would be Republicans Lindsey Graham, senator from South Carolina, and Mike Pence, representative from Indiana. My sources for this segment are MediaMatters.org, CBS News, The New York Times, MilitaryTimes.com, The Times of London, The Washington Post, and thinkprogress.org. McCain's descent into madness can be traced as follows. First, he told right-wing moral scold Bill Bennett on the radio that There
2: are neighborhoods
1: in Baghdad where you and I could walk uh, through those neighborhoods uh, today.
0: Then, he told Wolf Blitzer on TV You know, that's where you ought to catch up on things,
1: Wolf. uh, General uh, Petraeus goes out there almost every day in an unarmed Humvee. I think you ought to catch up, you see. You are giving the old line of three months ago.
0: I understand it. We certainly don't get it through the filter of some of the media. These comments brought a sharp retort from CNN reporter Michael Ware, who said McCain is, quote, way off base. Regarding General Petraeus's unarmed Humvee,
1: In the hours since Senator McCain has said this, I've spoken to some military sources, and there was laughter down the line. I mean, certainly the, the general travels in a Humvee, there's multiple Humvees around it, heavily armed.
0: And about that, walk through a Baghdad neighborhood... ...to suggest...
1: That there's any neighborhood in this city where an American can walk freely is beyond ludicrous. I'd love Senator McCain to tell me where that neighborhood is, and he and I can go for a stroll.
0: Not one to stick his foot in his mouth only a little, McCain persevered on. In Iraq, he seemed to want to prove his point about being able to take a leisurely stroll through Baghdad neighborhoods. So he visits the Shoja market along with Senator Graham and Representative Pence. McCain breathlessly tells us that Never have I been
1: able to go out into the city as I was today.
0: Representative Pence marvels that the scene was Like a normal outdoor market in Indiana in the summertime. Why, there were bargains galore. Senator Graham. I bought five rugs for five bucks. And people were engaging. What these right-wingers neglected to mention were the following minor precautions taken for their visit. Soldiers, quote, redirected traffic from the area and restricted access, close quote, to McCain and the others. Sharpshooters were posted on roofs. They were accompanied by more than a hundred soldiers in armored Humvees. Three Black Hawk helicopters and two Apache gunship helicopters circled overhead. Why? Any American can take a stroll through Baghdad. As long as you have a hundred soldiers, armored humvees, sharpshooters, and Black Hawk and Apache helicopters accompanying you. Here's an excerpt from this past Monday's Blast the Right live call-in show, where I discussed this with a couple of listeners. The person named Matt I addressed at the beginning is Matt Bores, an up-and-coming young political cartoonist who's a good friend of Blast the Right and a good friend of mine as well. I had asked him to call in. Apologies for the less-than-Sterling audio quality. Tell me, Matt,
2: what's happened in the last 24 to 48 hours that the right's done that's aggravated you the most? If you could delimit it to one thing. Well, one of the things that's aggravated you at least. I don't know if it's possible yeah. to just say the most or the least. Well, I've, been, I've just been uh, following the continuing uh, McCain... Uh, the McCain thing with him going to the Baghdad market to uh, purchase a few rugs with a few hundred soldiers behind him. Right. And uh, so I did a few cartoons about that. So that's that's basically the thing I've been looking into like the last two days. It sort of exemplifies everything that's wrong with the right. I mean, here's a guy, if if you've seen the pictures, he's literally surrounded by a sea of troops. They line the sides of the road. They wouldn't let people go there. They cleared the market beforehand, actually. There's there's Black Hawk and Apache helicopters circling overhead. There's snipers posted. And all this is sort of visible while he's walking around. I mean, you can't miss it. And he he makes the statement like, oh, I've never been able to go out like I was today. And then... You know, that representative from Indiana, Mike Pence, he goes, oh, this is just like a a summer market in Indiana. Now, (laughs) if all you did was hear them on the radio, you'd go, oh, yeah, man, Bush's surge is working. We're kicking butt. But don't they realize that they're also on TV? There was a a filming crew there. Don't they realize that people watching this are going to kind of notice all those troops? and they're going to find out the next day about the helicopter gunships, the clearing the market, and the snipers? Well, I mean, I think, I think you could probably go anywhere in Iraq with 200 soldiers and Blackhawk helicopters. And in the world you're world right. With, with, with 200 soldiers and, and Blackhawk helicopters. Well, well, I, I missed the beginning, Lauren. I, I can't get you can go that well. In the, you can go anywhere in the world with 200 yeah. soldiers and, and Blackhawk helicopters. Right, you could. Well, I'm, I'm just can. wondering... Did they include the price of the soldiers and the helicopters and the price of the carpets? <laughs> that's, that's, what, that's an externality, as they call it, right? It's sort of like oil companies pollute and we don't pay, you know, it, that isn't reflected in the cost of oil. So McCain's five rugs for five bucks. So it's probably five rugs for $250,000 each.
0: In other words, as Richard Pryor in one of his routines says to his wife after she catches him naked in bed with another woman, Who you gonna believe, me or your lion eyes? Hey America, who you gonna believe, McCain and Bush or your lion eyes? A letter writer to the New York Times put it nicely, The only thing missing from the photographs of Senator John McCain's stroll through the Shorja market in Baghdad was a banner overhead declaring mission accomplished, close quote. But McCain didn't stop here, with enough ridicule being heaped on him to sink a hundred presidential campaigns. No, he went on 60 Minutes and first backpedaled a bit. Of course I'm going I'm to misspeak,
1: and I've done it on numerous occasions, and I probably will in the future. I regret that if, when, I, when I divert attention to some, something
0: that I've said from my message, but you know, that, that's just life misspeak? Here's a great comment posted on a New York Times blog. Quote, How many misspoken words does it take to translate to just another lying pal? John, I used to think better of you. Close quote. After making that lame excuse, McCain decided to finally thrust his foot as far into his mouth as it could possibly go, continuing to insist that Bush's surge policy is working.
1: I understand why they would would provide me with that security, but I can tell you uh, if it had been two months ago and I'd asked to do it, they'd have said under no circumstances whatsoever.
0: I view that as a sign of progress. Progress? Give me a hundred heavily armed soldiers and armored Humvees, snipers, clear the area and have five helicopters circle overhead. And as we said in the live show excerpt, you could go anywhere in the world for a short stroll. The reality is, as residents and merchants told reporters, the market is still a highly dangerous place. Use this McCain travesty as a paradigm. Repeat it and throw it in right-wingers' faces over and over and over again, because it exemplifies right-wing lying and deception of the most brazen sort. Or else a truly frightening degree of self-delusion. And as with all right-wing actions, it leaves in its wake increased human misery, suffering, pain, and death, as could have been predicted, and was, as reported in the Washington Post. After the news conference, reporters asked a U.S. embassy official for the name of the market the delegation had visited. He declined to identify it, saying the market could come under attack. On Sunday night, U.S. military and embassy officials said it had been Sorja, quote. And thus it came to pass. According to the Times of London, quote, 21 Shia market workers were ambushed, bound, and shot dead north of the capital. The victims came from the Baghdad market visited the previous day by John McCain, the U.S. presidential candidate, who said that an American security plan in the Capitol was starting to show signs of progress. Quote. Lying or self-delusional and oblivious to the deadly results of their actions, can you describe right-wingers any better than that? Well, that'll about wrap it up for today. If you like what you heard, please tell a friend about Blast the Right and vote for Blast the Right at PodcastAlley.com. There's a one-click link to do each of those on the podcast homepage. You get to the podcast homepage by typing in Blast the Right in Google, and I'm the first result. The next live Blast the Right call-in show will be Monday, April 16th, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m. Pacific. It'll be hosted on a different website. Go to www.blogtalkradio.com. You don't have to register, download software, or anything like that. You can listen on your computer as long as you have Windows Media Player installed. Just click on the Listen button on my page. If you want to call in, all you have to do is dial from any phone of any sort, 718-508-9579, 718 508-9579. That's an exclusive number for my show. If you're one of the first five callers, you'll get right on. Otherwise, you'll get put in a queue. I could have up to five people on the air at the same time. All this information is on the podcast homepage. Hey, you right-wingers listening to this podcast, call me up and challenge me. Come on, I'm in the mood for some verbal combat. I won't beat you up too bad. Thanks to Scott from www.youraverageidiot.com for research assistance. A special super thanks to Kit from Rocky Mount, North Carolina, for amazing work gathering and extracting all the audio clips you heard on this podcast. Thanks, Kit. It was a lifesaver. And now a word from another progressive podcaster.
1: This is the rude guy, the pimple on the butt of corporate culture welcoming you to the idea of the week would you like to hear solutions to oil wars immigration outsourcing health care and much much more this is the thinking man's podcast that's anti-branding anti-marketing anti-slickness anti-everything that corporate media stands for. No stupid people allowed. Download the Rude Guy podcast at iTunes or www.therudeguy.com. If you dare. Music
0: credits. The break music was L.A. Nightmare by 22 Caliber and Not The One Blues by Bernsheet Thornside. The bumper music was My Girlfriend Is No Ann Coulter by Lucky Man Clark. We'll close with a little bit of Impeach Bush Blues from the Rude Guy podcast. Links to all the music I play on Blast the Right can be found on my music resources page. Links to all the statistics and quotations I use can be found on my data resources page. Both of them are linked to off the main podcast homepage. Keep all that great email coming in. My address is rational at adelphia.net. You can also call in and leave a comment for me to play on Blast the Right. Dial 310-933-5891 and leave your message. If you prefer, you can leave your comment on Skype. My name there is Jack from Blast the Right. So, until next time, I'll sign off and say I love you all, including all you right-wing misguided souls.
1: Well, I woke up this morning, I turned on my TV. There was the president lying to me, Say he said, hey, yeah, the president has got to go, who has got to go. We want our country back baby and got to show him the door Well during Vietnam the man just couldn't be found but now he's attacking by air and by ground I said hey yeah the president has got to go he's gotta go cause he he lied to us once but I don't want him lying no more Mm-mm. Well, there's a mountain of bodies There's a mountain of debt There's a mountain of troubles And it ain't over yet Said, hey, yeah The president has got to go he got to go We want our country back We're going to get it Want to show him the door